everyone. This is episode 46 of FIA Goes PC. We are recording sort of live. We're all alive and we're in Tokyo and that is Japan. I am with Flu Virus Plague X Factor 17. I'm hoping it's the last couple of days. It's been pretty gnarly for the last week. So forgive me. It just means that I'll be extra creative today, but you might hear me uh, coughing a few times or choking or uh, sneezing. I don't know. It's it's a mystery. But I'm here. And that's the main thing. It's very important. And I am your host, Rebel Zen, a.k.a. Danny Hale. With me, as always, not quite as plague barren as I, but with a sore throat, is our enduring producer, Winifred. Say hello. Hello. I'm here. You don't have to play it. You're not that ill. I'm not playing anything. Oh, okay. That's not a fiddle, not a trumpet. No. Nothing like that. And next to her, far away from me, I can see his arms waving. Hi. Yes, he is the famous, the, the, the fan favorite. The guy that's lasted all of these turbulent weeks with us, especially through typhoons, like riots, protests, things like this. On the Asian tour of duty is, of course... The Unicorn Slayer Pete, say hello. Hello. And I'm not ill. You're not ill. No. This is very true. You are made of different stuff, mm -hmm. as we all know. You are a Unicorn Slayer. But this is, we're two days by the time you're listening to this. Not for us. <laughs> but by the time you guys are listening to this, we have two days. Two. One, two. Till Christmas. Which means that, hypothetically, you'll be back in the UK. And hypothetically, we'll, we will be in Hong Kong. Hypothetically. And hypothetically, <laughs> we're all getting ready for Christmas. But none of us in this room know what we're doing. Everyone out listening will know what they're doing, exactly, pretty much. Because it's two days. It's the 23rd of December. I will probably be at work. You probably will. Mm. We'll probably be cooking something. We, well, we'll have a like a 11 people spread. Something by the like looks that. Of it. It's going to be crazy. Mm. By the way, it's a cash-only thing, £6,000 on entry, <laughs> and in English sterling, yes, that's how we do Christmas. Um, Will you accept 6,000 yen? Hell no. Well, you can, you can get a, maybe a cup of lettuce for that, maybe, if I'm generous. For 40 quid? Yeah, exactly, yeah. I'm going full on £6,000 here. Man. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's how much my uh, cooking skills are worth. But here's the thing, right? So... Because we haven't lived Christmas yet, we haven't got anything to really talk about as far as our Christmas, we're still filming out here in Tokyo at time of recording, so we've still got Tokyo stories to tell you. We're going to discuss that and wrap up some of our week in this episode, and then Pete and I, with Wynn, are going to go back to 2018 Christmas and discuss that, because we missed that in the podcast. Mm. So we didn't explain what we were doing then. So we're going to fill you guys in and be a year in lieu of Christmas. So by the time we start recording live again, it might be Christmas. Who knows? Well, according to Win, it's actually 2017 at the moment. So. Yeah, of course. At the beginning of the podcast, folks, if you're listening, Win had a bit of a spasm and set us back two years. Um, oh, no, well, that's going to be cut, but I accidentally said the wrong date. Exactly. Exactly. Two years ago. We were all there as well. I was speaking. confused. Well, at least Pete and I was. Sound rolling for podcast episode 46. This is uh, going to be broadcast on the 23rd of December 2019. <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> 2019, December. All right, Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay, shh. Uh, so. <laughs> Christmas two years ago was an eventful time, wasn't it? It was, it was, yeah. <laughs> Well, we've, we've had a few together. But um, yeah, just to bring you back to speed, it's now October, blah, blah, blah. Who knows? <laughs> it doesn't really matter if you're listening right now. But we're still in Japan and we're still filming and it's been quite relentless. My illness has been pretty severe for me. Um, not like death door kind of thing, but this is a double whammy after having a busted leg in a Hong Kong leg. Sorry. So I'm guessing... It's all right, dude. I'm guessing something somewhere is telling me this is either going to be an extraordinarily amazing series or uh, God's just having a laugh, of course. I don't know. It's what you believe in. 
But I like to believe that it's just the irony. I've wanted to come to Japan for, like, best part of all my life. Finally get here. And I've had everything thrown at me. The typhoon. Everything. It's been quite interesting. But here we are still going. <clears throat> just going to have a quick clear the throat. So we're going to say what we've done this week. Actually, the day I got ill, and it could be down to this, the typhoon had ended, it's all gone, back to normal, sun's come up, and you and I wanted to go explore an Ibisu area. Mm -hmm. Pete, if you can draw your mind back <laughs> to that. That was sometime last week, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. So basically, we decided to go exploring because we wanted to find a place called Futnik, which is one of the only places in the Tokyo area that, that shows Premier League football, Champions League football, and I think Europa. Is that right? Nope. No, they didn't show nope, Europa. Nope, weren't showing our game. Oh, that's that's right. They said to us there there wasn't enough interest until the finals or something like this, even in the Champions League. I also League. think the place was closed by the time we were on. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It's all been like 4.30 kickoffs and stuff like this. Yeah, yeah. 4.30 a.m. Yeah. Mm. So we wanted to explore Ibisu anyway, a uh, very interesting part of uh, Tokyo. There was an amazing shrine when we, we, we got out the gate pretty much and we went the wrong way, if you remember, because yeah. we were watching, uh, well, we weren't caring where we were going. We, I we think went we, for a wander, didn't we? We did. Yeah. We just went off the beaten track and as we walked around, there was that amazing shrine, mm. stroke temple, not really sure here. They, they're all sort of shrines or temples or a mixture of both. But it was quite an incredible little corner. It's in a courtyard that we saw it. Essentially surrounded by main roads. Yeah. So you walk down a little alley that's got like food shops and whatever. And then, yeah, you get to a courtyard which, and it's right in the middle of it. Yeah. And yeah. you feel like you've gone completely out of the city. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like amazingly eerie, as you say that, how silent it yeah. was in that courtyard. Yeah, yeah shielded all the traffic all the hectic stuff that was literally meters away it wasn't like a real walk was it it was no no you've got a main train station 100 meters away exactly exactly that kind of thing so it was quite incredible and when, by the time we got there someone was actually using it uh, i think there was a woman praying yeah there was yeah so it was quite unusual uh not quite the football bar we were expecting uh being <laughs> a, a temple in the middle of the courtyard but we eventually found Fortnick and the guy running it, it's, it's billed as a British bar, of course. A lot of them are here. The guy running it was French, obviously. Yep. So the French part of England that we all know well. Um, <laughs> London, I guess. Well, it's got to be said, I've never been abroad and seen a French bar, apart from in France, Yeah, obviously. Mm. Uh, they don't really call them French bars well, in no, France. Le Café. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Le Bar. Le Bar. Le Pub. <laughs> <laughs> Le Public House. Yeah. Maison le public. I don't know. I don't speak <laughs> French, but if you are French and listening, I apologise. But um, Footnick... Not for them being French. Yeah, well... <laughs> That's a bit harsh, isn't it? <laughs> Definitely wouldn't apologise for French being French. The French are uh, amazing at being French. They don't need to uh, say sorry for anything, really. Well, apart from dealing with us <laughs> if we're in their country, which British, is You're British, so you apologise for everything. Well, we're meant to. I think we <laughs> gave that gene to Canada and we lost it a long time ago. But basically, basically, Futnik is not the temple. So that's a bit it's of a... It's a temple to some people. No, I was going to say, yeah. I suppose it is. The name Futnik doesn't sound particularly British. It doesn't even no. sound like a pub. It sounds more like either a sports science department or some kind of bizarre, I don't know, sports shop. You know what I mean? It, yeah. it doesn't have a real pub bar sound to it, does it? It doesn't sound like a restaurant or like no. a place where you eat and drink. It also <laughs> is probably where you steal feet, I'm thinking. Footnick. Yeah. Yeah, it's basically footlocker in, in proper English, isn't it? Oh, so they steal <laughs> your feet and you end up legless. Correct, correct. And good segue to Lord of the Rings, <laughs> but I'll subject for another another time. But I will Drunken say, elves. yeah, yeah, <laughs> Footnick does sound a bit like your feet have just been arrested for something and they're in the nick. You kind of do go. end up legless if you drink too much. I suppose so. That was the joke, Win. That, Thank you very much that, for they're, joining they're, in. Well, she's just helping the kids at the back that don't really know what's going on, <laughs> uh, which is our normal viewers. Hi, is, is is legless just British slang? Is it? Yeah. Legless, yeah. Yeah, in the context of being drunk. Of being yes. drunk, yeah. I think right. it's actually becoming more universal. 
I think America's coining a lot of our phrases, which is what we like to call evolution. Uh, <laughs> hi, America. How are you doing? Uh, do not take any offense from uh, it's the, called British humor. <laughs> the the, the flu ridden. If idiot. we take the mick out of you, we like you. Of course. <laughs> it's all affection. If You've we got to worry if we don't. Well, if we don't take the mickey out of you, we're probably terrified of you. Mm. Saying nothing, Russia. Uh, hi. So, moving <laughs> along. I just, I just want to move along now. So, we eventually found Futnik. We realised they are open when they can be bothered. And it's very difficult. Like, we found it fairly difficult in Hong Kong, but not impossible here pretty impossible because obviously the Japanese league takes precedent and all of that's at normal hours we've got the rugby world cup here mm. so obviously that's taken center stage in everything and of which England might be champions by the well, time we you're listening yeah exactly we're not sure yet we're, mm -hmm. we're currently at air like by the time we're recording this it's Wales versus South Africa so if you are watching Wales are currently losing we're, we're getting the result that <laughs> Wales are currently losing hopefully they'll turn it around Mm -hmm. who knows again this is a fateful thing so we move on from Fort Nick at the end of that I suggested to Pete we might as well try and walk to Rapongi Hills because it's one of these areas in Tokyo very famous here with a lot of obviously uh, expat tourists from America Canada UK Australia it's it's very westernized very mm. European central famous for that really famous for kind of if you're into sort of pro wrestling and you're staying somewhere or a sports personality traveling into japan sorry about the uh crazy Hell's angels yeah crazy house <laughs> angels that just drove past i'm presuming it was that or it was a demon hairdryer i'm not sure uh but we just got interrupted by what sounded only like a wheelbound helicopter i'm not sure what the <laughs> hell that was um hopefully they'll crash into a lamppost and that'll just be funny but basically <laughs> basically as I was saying, Rapongi Hills is quite close to Bisu, and we wanted to, we're basically still half scouting at this point which areas we want to feature on a show if it's worth going to, because a lot of things clash in Tokyo, and it's, it's worth pointing this out. Whenever you see anything on Japan, featured documentaries or whatever, it seems to be that it's a particular place, like this famous restaurant, this famous temple, this mm. famous tourist trap, this famous thing... There's a sky tree, this famous tower, this famous whatever, and you just see that, or you'll see them demonstrating a theme park or something like this. We wanted to try and do something a little bit different. So there's a lot of clashes. There's a lot of areas that kind of look very similar. A lot of big skyscrapers, a lot of shops and stuff like this. So Rapongi was kind of one of these areas that I was just curious. Is it going to be set alone, different? because of the western sort of demographic that's there or is it going to look like a glorified shinjuku who knows so we needed to check that and as as we walked out of ibisu pete started by saying well i know the right way because i got google map and the right way is this way and i was like yeah well what's the fun in that let's uh, just follow these beer lanterns do you remember yeah the whole street yeah, of yeah. Beer lanterns. i will point out as well that we got to ibisu at about what half seven eight o'clock I think it was, uh, it might have been earlier than that. Might have been a little earlier. Yeah. But it was, you know, kind of early evening time. Um, that becomes important later on. It does. It does come important. Very important later on. So, yeah, we found the uh, the Beer Lantern Street. We found the Beer Lantern Street, and mm -hmm. I thought it was going to be a shoe-in walk, because the thing about Tokyo, they have lanterns in certain areas that I think signify what the area is for for tourism especially with the Rugby World Cup being here. I think some streets are basically like you might see a sheep. And so obviously, you know, that's where you get your uh, pork chops. So basically cotton like... Cotton wool. Yeah, yeah, cotton wool, jumpers, sweaters. I don't know. There's been no sheep lanterns. I'm just talking weird. But this was the whole block was basically beer lanterns going down. What I can only say was like, Almost like a off Broadway, which will make sense in America, off the beaten track version of Rapongi Hills. It was almost like bars on either side of the road mm. for the whole probably two miles that stretch, I would imagine, because it kind of curved, didn't it? I don't think it was quite that long because we actually came off it a little bit further up. Right. Um, 
maybe a mile, something like that, mm-hmm. like a miracle beer mile or something. Because you actually believed me eventually that we were heading towards a motorway. Yeah, yeah. Well, you said if we keep on this road and don't go left, we're going to be on a freeway. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, then it'll be a good idea to veer around left, which we did. Mm-hmm. And then it suddenly became very kind of uh, colloquial small town Japan for a bit. Mm-hmm. And as we walked up, we suddenly hit a steep incline into what to me literally looked like the beverly hills of tokyo yeah it was really nice it was amazing it was basically like either side or small housing and stuff like this but proper houses here which unless you know where you're looking you don't really see in the center of tokyo no that's more greater tokyo but this was like it was incredible we saw so many things as we were walking up we saw an abandoned school and and yeah that was really weird wasn't it it was because we it looked very abandoned. Yeah. Um, you know, rusted gates, all that kind of stuff. Much like most London schools. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but there was also a truck outside, which looked like it was in use. Mm. Mm. Which so I, I, I have a feeling that was security. Mm. I think the site was still secured. Yeah. But I do think that it was pretty much 100% abandoned. It, it looked like... You like to think it was. Well, yeah. Because if that was your school... <laughs> It, well, considering the area too, it was quite bizarre that that school was yeah. so wrecked because yeah. everything else was all pristine and brilliant, you know. And the, and then next to that was loads of French stuff. Yeah, it was like yeah. that French market almost, and then a cafe and a restaurant. And there was an international school a bit further down. An wasn't international there? school on the other side of the road, mm-hmm. which looked pretty much like a glorified double complex. It was like a yeah. condo complex, but it was a school. Yeah. The smallest school I think I've seen out here happened to be an international one. I'm not sure what that says. <laughs> Maybe uh, they're rare. But yeah, so as you move down there and you come out of the kind of um, sort of suburbia, mm-hmm. Beverly Hills, we saw that little second-hand game shop in the middle yeah, of yeah. nowhere on the corner. We had a poke in, didn't we? Had a look. We did. It was, uh, had a little space for uh, Warhammer as well, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it, well, it was a uh, UGO. It was playing cards. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was like a trading card, drawing card. They had lots yeah. of trading cards in there. They did, especially at the back. Yeah, yeah Magic yeah. the Gathering was big. Yes, there, that's the one. That's what I'm yeah, thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But it was kind of interesting to see that because it was basically the local game shop. Mm. And here, especially Tokyo, this was one of my preconceptions coming here. When you come from the UK culture and America's literally the same, we have sort of our three or four places that we'd go and get electronics games or whatever. Best Buy, if in the US, is still a big sort of huge warehouse that has everything. But then you have Game Station, or the equivalent, I think it's, oh, I can't even remember what it's called. I think it is Game Station. And then someone can correct me on the, uh, the old YouTube or Twitter or whatever. They, they won't. They, they never do. They should, yeah. but they never do. Um, but it's, it's something like that. We have game in the UK. We used to have GameStation as well. Yeah, yeah. But that's gone. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, or at least that, in it, it all merged. It all became one because mm. it used to be electronic boutiques even in America and then it all merged. Right. And so it's the same company. Yeah, yeah. But in the UK, we tend to have supermarket stuff. Obviously, they have Walmart in America that sells some things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Tesco's or something if you're in the UK will sell games for yeah. a lot cheaper. I don't know why. I think it's bulk by who knows. But well, a lot of it's gone online now, hasn't it? It does, yeah. Well, mm. that's the other thing. A lot of it's online market. But our main things, if we want to get something, yeah. you go to that place. Every street's got one. Every city sort of sub-district's got two or three. Hollywood's got one. You got one in Universal Studios, even. They're, they're quite prevalent. GameStop is the American one. Yes, I so just go. reminded myself. Thank oh, you. I think I went to one of those out there, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, yeah. it's literally identical to what we've got in the UK. Yeah, yeah. When you go to Hong Kong, it nods a bit more to Japan, but it's still more frequent in Hong mm. Kong. Bear in mind, Hong Kong's really a city, essentially. So in each district, you've got something. There's something there that you can find. Japan, however, in Tokyo especially, bearing in mind that this is one of the center places that games are made. Yeah you don't find them on every street corner. It's basically tucked away in a huge multi-leveled complex in the middle of 
sort of a district, Ikebukuro, Akihabara. It's, yeah, it's only in the shopping districts, really, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Because we, we haven't got one right by us. No. Mm-hmm. Nothing nothing near here. Nothing really close to the Dome or any of these areas. No. So it, it's just been a very interesting thing to see how things like, you know, not only that, but CDs, DVDs, books and stuff <laughs> is sold. Because it's such a collector's universe in Japan as a culture. I'm sure it might be different out in rural areas and towns and stuff, if it even exists, who knows. But basically here in Tokyo, it's quite different to see how it's all formed. You have to really hunt it. And you have to be on like level six of a kind of big electronics yeah. <laughs> department store, you know. Mm. So that's been interesting. Here, however, was just a community game shop. Mm. And it was sort of like half hobbies. Half secondhand stuff. There was loads of old consoles there that you could rebuy secondhand or whatever, uh, buy new stuff, whatever. But it was kind of a cool place. So it was almost like going to what we'd have in the UK is like Computer Exchange. CEX, yeah. But you could also get board games and play them in store mm. and stuff and card. It was it, it was kind of a mix between CEX and Games Workshop, wasn't it? It was a bit. It was a bit. It would be the smartest thing to link those two things together. It was very communal as well. Mm. And then outside of it, you had nothing but gacha. Yeah. You know, gacha machines, like capsule things that you have in England. They're everywhere. They are, well, it's a Japanese yeah. Japanese uh, icon, but also vending machines, stuff like this. When we walked out of that, however, we were walking to a place that we were both some sort of semi-convinced was the base of Rapungi. Mm-hmm. Uh, it turned out to be a whole different area, but we explored that, and we had a few startling trips there, didn't we? Because mm. we kind of went to a cafe, and again, this is an important thing to note in Japan, it's, especially if you're coming in from the West, this might be something you find a little bit awkward at times, because it's sort of unprecedented, but we walked into a cafe, and some places in Tokyo, and I'm guessing it's because they're not confident in English, mm just to be PC about it, but you're flat out refuse service because you're Western, right? So we sort of walked into a place and got turned away. Yeah. <laughs> in, instantly. In a coffee like, shop. Yeah. And and it's always like, yeah, sorry, we're closed or, mm. you know, and they're blatantly not because there's people that are in Japanese and they've just walked in before you or whatever. But, you know, it's just you nod your head, you, you say, okay, fair enough. And we just walked around, and that this area was quite interesting because it was sort of like, again, it was very Western-styled. It was like a t- two kind of main streets arcing off, and then a huge split three directions that you mm. can drive. And we kind of walked into the cafe, and facing down that street was everything we have in the UK, McDonald's, Burger King, all this kind of stuff. And then there was that park, do you remember? Yeah. So we actually had that park, which was actually a park here, which is a lot rarer than I thought initially coming here. Kids park with slides and stuff like that. Yeah, there's a lot, lot more in Hong Kong than there is out here. Yeah, loads more. I mean, I think there's a lot less space, to be fair, here. Everything's at a premium, which is why you've got these. Um, so I don't think we've really properly talked about it. Um, we've said, you know, you've got the big kind of six, eight layered department stores. Yeah. But then you've also got like six floors that have got a completely different thing on each floor. Exactly. Which sort of happens in Hong Kong, the equivalent would be somewhere like Mongkok, mm. where they jam-pack, say, a Thai restaurant, a cafe on top yep. of that, a bookshop on top of that. That happens a lot in Mongkok, TST, and areas like that in Hong Kong. But it's a t- totally different flavor to what it is here. Yeah. Here it's kind of like you have one building, that's one company owning nine floors that have loads of variants. Mm-hmm. And then usually it's all shopping. So you might have a stack of restaurants, but it'll only be a four-floor building. Yeah, yeah. But parks and recreation on the streets of a place like Tokyo, I would imagine would be huge. Like you'd see batting cages. We haven't seen any of them. Golf. Nope centers you haven't seen any of them it's all simulated it's all inside yeah it is yeah um football pitches nothing basketball courts nothing nope. all of that's leisure centers or sports mm-hmm. arenas but you have to pay quite a massive fee to be a member of that yep not unlike a leisure center in the uk but you just don't see anything like that on the street level no, so not it is all. all built over and we've actually studied that there's a lot of football pitches uh for 
five-a-side walls and stuff on top of buildings. So you're talking 10-story buildings, yeah. and they'll be on the roof of that. I have been to one in the UK. Yeah, yeah. We had, uh, we had our work championships there. Uh, Star City, I think that was. Right. In Birmingham. Right. Which is, like, right on the roof. Because this one is a nod. If you ever, if anyone listening has played uh, FIFA 20, Volta, uh, the futsal stuff that they have in Tokyo, one of the levels, is almost identical to the Shibuya top-level pitch. Mm. which we've researched. It's not as glorious. You don't have all of the smoke machines and stuff. <laughs> it's pretty much a five-side pitch. But it's very close to how they've portrayed it in FIFA. So that was really intriguing because I honestly thought there'd be a lot more activity here. But I'm guessing it's literally, like you said, city limits. And then when you get to sort of places like Yokohama or something like this, it might chill out. Yeah, a bit. Yeah. But yeah, Tokyo doesn't really have that. So no, this park that we saw, which with, you know, slides and swings mm. and stuff, was one of the rarest things yeah. we've seen. And we were off the beaten track quite a bit here. Because around that corner, I think we were in the park, we, we took a look at the map and basically noted, okay, so Rapungi is actually up this massive <laughs> steep hill. Right, yeah. And so we flipped our thing because I was basically like, oh, well, we kind of seen it. This is all it really is. Mm. And we walked a bit further down quite a nice little sort of typical Tokyo sprawl of smaller businesses and a lot of like famous kind of ramen chains or whatever. And that's when I flipped and said, no, you know what? If we walk up here, I reckon we get there. And we did. And by the time we got up that hill, it was kind of get, it was etching out closer to 1030 at night yeah. at this point. So by the time we kind of scooted up that hill, it was like... Okay, so we're now in Rapungi Hills. It kind of hits you straight away, and you think, what a place this is. You see the big sign and stuff. And then within seconds, you might as well be in Shibuya or Shinjuku. It's pretty much the same thing. Mm. There were a lot more um, a lot more Westerners spilling out onto the streets there, wasn't there? There was an Irish bar. Oh, yeah. It was, it was, a lot of, uh... it was Lan Kwai Fong in Hong yeah, Kong. It was, it, yeah. was, it was pretty much... I think we found the rugby fans... <laughs> yeah we did we did we saw that and we saw a lot of um americans and basically there was a lot of kind of western people actually selling stuff on the street or um trying to coach you into a club or something which was different mm. and then basically long story short we then decided okay so we got to Rapongi. what time check things were shutting mm. which is another important thing to say You'd imagine Tokyo, much like LA, much like New York City, much like Hong Kong, would be kind of a 24-7 situation. It's really hard to find 24-hour places to eat here. Mm. Really hard. Well, they exist. They exist, but it's almost like there's one here, and then you have to walk like three blocks to the next one. Yeah. And so they exist, but they're scattered as well, opposed to... <clears throat> they're kind of hidden. Yeah. You have to know... And you have to see, and you either have to have a local friend that can dictate that this, 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 and this exists. Because I've got a feeling Tokyo is one of these places that shuts down for the tourists and the locals and the families and stuff. But if you're an office worker and you know a couple of office workers, they know that these places go on till six in the morning, yeah. take you to a back alley nightclub or something. <laughs> but it felt weird for Rapongi because you always hear about this area being quite a late night place. Mm. And it was shutting down as we were walking down. We were thinking yeah. we should eat soon. And everything shut, 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 shut. So it was kind of like a strange thing. At 10.30 was the decision that I said, well, we should just walk home. Because we made it this far, right? Mm -hmm. See a sign for Shibuya City. And we thought, yeah, we'll just go down there and drip, drip back into where we live. You um, essentially got fed up with Google Maps. I Well, at this point, I was getting fed up, yeah, just following maps in general. So I um, decided to say, all right, I'll leave you to it. Yeah. Well, I Wynne had broken it down on icons mm. to me before because she said, you might want to check this out, you might yeah. want to check that out. We were about four miles from from home. I think it was, I think the whole trip was about, 15. I was, was going to go into that one later. Right, right, right. But if, you know, the, the straight walk home from Rapongi to, to here 
is about four miles, I think. Um, let me just double check because I think it's a bit further. Well, wins double checking, mm. I think it's important to say that if you are ever in Tokyo and you're late night walking mm -hmm. and you're crazy enough to walk, uh, I don't know, from Rapongi to Shibuya or something like this, you need the right tire because you need to be seen. You need to be seen 24 7. And the only place to do that, to get the right attire for this stuff, the right apparel, t-shirts, hoodies, sweaters, and everything else. Our official sponsor for season two and beyond is Hong Kong's own Hobo Bait. Yeah, some apparel and t-shirt company. Based in Hong Kong, part of the Teespring community. You've heard us talk about them, it's nearly Christmas, so what, what, what do you do? You should be buying all of Hobo bait stuff right now. They should have it by now. Oh, they should. Mm -hmm. Well, they should keep getting it. It's a gift that keeps on giving. It yeah, really you can is. get Christmas presents in New Year, can't you? Yeah, well, yeah. you can keep on giving apparel all year round because you need it all year round. And to do this, you go to teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash hobo baits because basically you should. There's there's no other reason, nothing really. It's it's that you just need this stuff. And like I said. You could be walking anywhere, in any city, around the world, late night, early morning, whenever you want. But you need to be seen. People mm -hmm. need to see you. So go to teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash hoberbait right now and be seen. Not recommended for bank robbers, but everybody else, perfect. <laughs> I mean, we don't endorse bank robbers here, but if that's your thing, we don't judge you for it either. Uh, so yeah, check out hoberbait and do that right now. And we're back in Rapongi. So yes, we are walking down. It's around how many miles? Um Shibuya is actually further. And you went from Shibuya to Rapongi. So Shibuya is about 9 kilometers and Rapongi is about 8 point something. Okay. Yeah. So it was so always five, it was always yeah. it was always far. We mm. knew that. It was going to be at least a couple hours. Yeah. Mm. But basically, at this point, we'd already done some weird things and skewiffy things because we got off the beaten track thinking we'll skip Rapongi or whatever. At this point, it was just like, well, we might as well just keep going. And um, at this point, we sort of dipped down. I can only say this. We're going to skip this because we've got to talk about our Christmas last year. <laughs> but basically, we dipped down, ended up in a Korea town. Mm -hmm. which we never knew existed in Tokyo, but it does. It's literally K-Town Tokyo. It was. Go figure. And you can tell because you kind of walked a corner and everyone's accent changed and <laughs> language changed. And then it was the, all the, uh, the K-pop posters and uh, massive, adverts for their bands. Well, that was it? the first thing you notice. You yeah. kind of get hit by about six stores Yeah. that just have different genres of guys or girl bands. And you could just walk in there as a super fan and nerd out or something. But it was quite weird. And then all the karaoke became K-pop. K mm -hmm. But all the streets became, all the food was Korean food, the yep. up stuff like this. Then you have like massive karaoke areas. Mm. Um, the thing that was quite strange about that, I, I never thought you would ever find something like that in Tokyo. I never thought it existed here. Because I, I remember... Classically, there was like a link Shinjuku to China, mm. and there was like a Chinatown Shinjuku. But when we were in Kabukicho, that's all changed. Yeah. So I feel like the old Chinatown's kind of gone mm. uh, in favor, probably, of transplanting itself to Yokohama because that's now yeah, that's really famous. The famous Chinatown, yeah. The um, Koreatown that you passed through, I believe, is called uh, Shin Okubo. Yeah, it was. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Because at this point, I was convinced we were nearly home. We weren't. Oh, so no. Long story, oh, no. Long... I was keeping an eye on Google Maps for most of the walk. Yeah. Just to see how good your sense of direction was. Yeah. Um, and nearly home, um, essentially, was a circle that <laughs> was almost exactly two and a half miles away from home at every single point. Well, that's that good. I checked. My sense of direction is amazing. I just <laughs> until didn't... I lost, like, until I ran out of battery. Yeah, yeah. which you did very yeah. successfully. <laughs> um, but what what I wanted to do was just kind of navigate through icons mm. and learn the place. It's kind of what I do. I don't mind getting lost as long as we we had no time limit. No, it was it was it was great fun. It was a magical mystery tour. It of Tokyo. was an incredible Zen walk, to be honest. I just want to interject because I'm obviously being very quiet this episode. 
I'm actually at home while these guys are out walking. Mm-hmm. And I'm editing the podcast that you, you've been listening to. And I got a text from Pete at around, like, I think it was 1130, maybe midnight or a, a bit earlier. On saying, our way home. Oh, yeah, we're almost home. We're on our <laughs> way home. <laughs> and then by the time I got to, like, 1, 130, I'm like, where are these guys? Mm-hmm. Well, we actually, there was a few things that triggered all of this along the way because basically Tokyo um, is a place that if you were to do what we did, which no one rational ever would, <laughs> uh, most people take the train and not try and Zen walk it back. But basically you have a few issues and I'm just telling you this as someone who's done it, but basically your first issue is road signs suddenly stop. So if you're following road signs and it's <laughs> doing really well for you, it suddenly stops dead and you're like, okay, what? Then you'll see a map and suddenly you're in a place that you were convinced by the road signs was correct. And it zooms in to the point where you only see kind of a They're square really mile zoomed block. in, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. So then you're kind of like, okay, this sucks. So then you have to just kind of keep the faith and keep mm-hmm. going in the sort of direction you were going in. And there was a few confusing bits because <laughs> we were aiming for Shibuya coming through Rapongi because knowing that we'd get to, say, Shinjuku, we knew that we could get home that way, right? But what happened was, so it threw us off a loop. It said that we were aiming for Shibuya, but it actually meant Shibuya City, which is a whole split region. Mm-hmm. Mm. So it's like suddenly you're seeing two downtowns and you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's very kind of complex. Again, no one does this. I don't even think if you were local in Tokyo, well, you'd do this. <laughs> we walk a lot, like, wherever we go. And that just reminds me, like, in L.A., when you say you're walking, people are like, what? Yeah, but the thing that's different is like anywhere in the world, yes, you can walk 26, 27 yeah. miles and everyone thinks you're crazy, but that's normal for me. The point here is everything's in Japanese. Mm-hmm. Mm. So yes, you have phonetics, you have the English wording underneath the uh, three alphabets that you have here, but it doesn't help almost at all because you'll see something like, oh, we're on the right train track line. So then you start following that, and then that cuts and suddenly there changes. There are too many train lines. Yeah, there's like three <laughs> different, four different companies. So all of it's a challenge, but long story short, we got back after realizing we'd done about 12-mile walk. So uh, It was closer to 15. Yeah. It was 20 kilometers. I actually tried to track mm. your route. <laughs> so, yeah. There was the, there was the random walk where we uh, we thought there was a public toilet. Oh yeah, nearby, and we just yeah, yeah, shot yeah. off the road. <laughs> yes, and then it turns out that we wasn't. ended up actually not wanting to, but actually stalking some poor woman who lived nearby who yeah. had just gone out to take the trash because uh. Pete was saying there's definitely a toilet down the bottom of this road, right? The minimap so, told me so. Yeah, yeah. So on, the, on the street, on the street corner, that was one of the random yeah. sort of things. And then Koreatown was random, and then we ended up going to McDonald's in what I can only call. Tokyo center of luxurious cars. Yes. Where every block was Mercedes, Porsche, Lamborghini, Lamborghini so yeah, yeah, just nuts. And department stores again, like mm-hmm. six tower buildings dedicated to Lambos or something. Absolutely mad, man. You had the showroom at the bottom. God knows what happened at the top. But basically, <laughs> the whole street either side was like that. We also walked north of the Imperial Gardens, and that's kind of a base to come. Then we, we, we thought. We saw Tokyo Tower. We did see it 100%. And then I'm we went still round, not sure about this. We totally did. We saw a tower. We for on the sure walk. saw Tokyo a tower. Top tower. On a previous walk that Danny and I did, again in the middle of the night, mm. we ended up in the Imperial Palace and we did see Tokyo Tower, the red and white mm. one. Yeah, but that's the point. We saw it. You turn a corner, and this, I'm just saying for anyone who <laughs> lives in Tokyo or comes here and is walking like a crazy person. You will see Tokyo Tower, very famous, red, white, lit up, very nice. You'll go around a corner and it doesn't exist. It's elusive. And I think Godzilla hides it at night. (laughs) I think the power went off, the lights get killed. And at that point, you do not know where the hell it is. Then we go around another corner and see what we thought was Tokyo Tower was actually on top of a building. So it was a building, a massive, huge skyscraper with a little sort of thing on top, which I'll not say what it looks like, but it looked like that, yeah. A hat, if you will, that's very akin to Tokyo Tower top. Yeah. 
which is something. Yeah, but you had to be there. You weren't there. You were here, Edison. <laughs> you weren't there, man. You weren't there. Well, no, you were. weren't Sam. You weren't no, there. No, I was okay. working hard. It's okay, 2019 and like, what year are you thinking this? So, <laughs> basically, we did all that. Had a McDonald's. McDonald's was fantastic here. Very yep. different. Very different. Very awkward ordering. Uh, for you? For me. One I've learned the point and go, yay! Mm-hmm. I, I did that. I did that, and then I didn't realise that that's a point, because I pointed out the meal. Oh, you didn't realise you can pick your fries and your drink? Yeah, like, I like pointed out the meal. Like in every McDonald's yeah, in the well, world. Again, this is the thing, right? So, <laughs> Hong Kong, touchscreen. UK, touchscreen. Yeah. America, touchscreen. Where are all the touchscreens? Germany, touchscreen. Spain, touchscreen. No, here. Everything touchscreen? That's the point. That's, that's what I'm saying. Know, here, the technology centre of the world. Yeah. The most advanced nation, perhaps... We still have world. to talk to people. Yeah. It's you have disgraceful. To point, you have to point at pictures and say that. <laughs> but still, I didn't understand me. Anyway, so eventually I got it after the, the front line of the McDonald's at all had been having 10 minutes of hysterics at my expense. <laughs> we got through that, but really good, man. Like the food mm. here, exceptionally good. Very, very different. I went off the, to a new place with it and had one of their special clubhouse burgers or something grand clubhouse yeah Grand clubhouse that's the one and that was really good really good so enjoyed that eventually got home it was briefly raining on and off all night spitty kind of yeah London we, were, rain. we were all right we're okay until i got back and the next day had the plague yeah so who knows where i got that from but i definitely got it on the way <laughs> but yeah it was pretty much a six hour walk eventually all in yeah so like that i think i think probably a bit more than that yeah it was what 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 time do we get back half two three i think the sun had come up hadn't it five o'clock wind's checking the notes everyone yeah that's what's happening right now she's got a tracker on danny that you know she can (laughs) yeah yeah she's got a tag at 6 30 at night oh there you go and then I finished editing the podcast at 2 a.m. in the morning, and you guys still hadn't come back. So yes. I think you guys came back at around 3 mm. Yeah. But what we didn't tell Win is actually what we had done is uh, go to an arcade and played a lot of stupid games for like six It hours. was actually just down the road, wasn't it? It was, yeah. yeah. We, we never we really spent got seven hours to, there. We just mm. got someone to take our phones and take a bunch of pictures yeah. of mm. the trip. And that's what's lovely about this country. You can give your phone to a random stranger and they'll give it back. Absolutely. The honor system here is absolutely fantastic. Yep. It's, it's one of the coolest things about Japan is the fact that it's a society of trust. And that's, that's been quite an incredible thing. Actually, that's that's all jokes aside, that is completely true. I was, um, I was walking back this morning after popping out to the supermarket. Yeah. Um, side of the road, there was a handbag. Yeah. No owner in sight. Just a handbag just left there, which people are perfectly happy to do. Mm. Bikes are unlocked all over the place. Yeah, just propped up against the wall. Yep. doesn't matter. Well, the thing that's interesting is you'd see a handbag in Birmingham, London, or somewhere in America, Chicago. You wouldn't think, see it. It would be gone. No, no. Nowadays, you'd think there's an explosive. Well, yeah. <laughs> or, or some kind of plague. You know. yeah, that happened in, a, in that busy coffee shop we were at. Like, all the tables were taken, and these two women came over, dumped their bags yeah. and everything, and just left it to go order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just an amazing culture. It's like, you, you have to adjust to honorifics. Mm-hmm. Bow your head, don't say good morning. That's something I've found. If you say good morning to everyone, it's actually weird. So just bow your head as a single gesture, and everyone finds that really cool and respects you and bows back. It's, mm. just, it's just a whole different trap of thought. It's almost like going back to... I was saying to Pete, it's like being in the UK in that kind of Oliver Twist world that never really existed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the charm and the, 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 the romantic period we didn't really ever have. Nope. But we always kind of sell that. So talking about charm and romantic, we're now going to talk about Christmas. That's our up-to-date Japanese story. Last year... Uh, Pete and I had Christmas together while Wynn was in Hong Kong because I was. obviously she runs away every Christmas. I do. Too, too cold for you, isn't it, UK? <laughs> it's too cold. Yeah. <laughs> I had other things to do too, like celebrate, but my, with me, yeah. celebrate my grandmother's uh, 97th birthday last year. Yeah. So, yeah, that was kind of important. 
Yeah, well, every birthday with us is important now because yeah. you know it's it's a it's a gift really. But mm. our Christmas was completely amazing because Pete and mm-hmm. I did the single bachelor uh, duo act, uh, holding hands. We we went out. <laughs> well, the night before Christmas Eve, we did what we usually do, and that is head to the local pub, mm-hmm. and uh, pretty much you were drinking from the time I got there till the time I left. Was, was I still living in Sully? No, I, that's right. I was no, still you, at the Cube. Yeah, you'd gone to the Cube. That's right. I was living at the Cube. Yeah. Which, if you don't know Birmingham, I can say anything. <laughs> it's actually a massive Rubik's Cube, and I was living under it. And it's just a go. box in the middle of town. It's just, yeah. It's, <laughs> if you're local in England and you need a place to stay, you find a box and you call it's like it the It's like the worst cube. advertising agency ever, isn't it? It is. It's, also it's called a really, the Cube, right? So, Box in the middle of town. It's also a really, really messed up horror film. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, if you do know Birmingham and you've been to the UK and you know of it, the Cube is kind of like part of the mailbox mm-hmm. vicinity hotel. Rather nice stuff. building. Very cool. But it's like a mall mm. in a building. It's very cool. I was staying there through the Christmas period and basically to be closer to peace. Because where I would have stayed is kind of in Sheepsville with a lot of sheep in the country back with my family. But I was here at the Cube. So we'd planned this for almost a year, actually, where we would go and do something very unique on Christmas Day, which was go down to Bourneville area. Not quite Bourneville, is it? It's more Sturgeon. Sturgeon, yeah. Yeah. And have Indian food for Christmas. Mm -hmm. Which is amazing. Mm. And it was great. Honestly, if you ever get a chance to do it from around the world and you're in the UK, find yourself a really, really good Indian restaurant. Just go to the equivalent of Yelp or TripAdvisor or whatever. Mm. Find the best one in your area. They should be open for something special. A lot of these places are. A lot are. of them are. And we're not talking expensive here either. No, nope. very affordable um, place. I think, what, 30 quid a head? Really? Just, it was. Yeah. And totally busy actually when yeah. we when we turned up it was quite packed up but really cool alternative if you're kind of fed up of the standard we did the the brummy standard i suppose mm-hmm. you know the 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 other local way of doing things and it was absolutely amazing we had a good night the night before a lot of old mates turning up i'd moved away from Selyoke at that point for a couple of months so it was cool to see everyone again the next day we met up with your your best buddy jim quick shout out mm-hmm and his family, Chloe, and, and their little fella. Yep, went around to say happy Christmas. That was Dropped great. the presents off. Yeah, it was just great. It was just kind of nice to do things in a more low-key mm. way. Well, like you say, he's my best mate, and first time I've seen him on Christmas ever. Well, mm. there you go. That was. So. so that was cool, Yeah, and I was part of it. Same for me. <laughs> so <Yeah>. my first, <laughs> first time I've seen him. But um, yeah, we got to have that Indian meal, and just it was just really nice, just really cool and, mm. and chilled out. And... Uh, it was interesting being a cube because the next day after you'd gone back to, I think you'd gone back to the Bristol, you were spending it with your family up in Dudley. Boxing day. Yeah. Uh, I was back in the pub. Yeah. So uh, my, my mum and her husband had actually gone to uh, Madeira, I think it yeah, was, that's for Christmas. Right. That's correct. Which is why you yeah. know, we, did, uh, we did our thing. Which is why, well, we talked to your mum briefly on a really bad reception, didn't yes, we? Yes, we did, yeah. To say <laughs> happy Christmas to and that. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, the, it was a weird one because the next day, in fact, actually, no, when I got back on Christmas Day, mm. I decided to go around to see if anywhere was open to get stuff for the house because this is the sort of studio apartment rental. And basically there was nothing really in the, in the kitchen, whatever. So I needed to go out and get supplies because we'd only had that one meal. So it staggered, you know, going yep. up to the next meal at night or whatever, getting a bit hungry. So I thought, you know what, I'll walk around and see what's up in Birmingham. And uh, I've never seen that city. Now, bear in mind, folks from around the world listening, this is the second city in the UK. Mm. So after London, this is the biggest city we've got. And Every night there's people around. Literally. No matter when you go, all year round, you'd think, mm-hmm. there's somewhere open. There's McDonald's or something. Yeah. This night, all dead. And as you walk through the mailbox going down, super cold, by the way, because the mm. whole thing is all air, like the cube is all air open. So you just walk out and you're freezing. When you go into the kind of unit and stuff like this, it was 
there was no one. No one, no one, no one. Like a whole city. And I remember getting to the New Street bit, which is usually the busiest bit in yeah. Birmingham. Nothing. Go past Tim Hortons, not open, dead. Go past uh, McDonald's, dead, not open. It's Christmas, of course, nothing's open, mm-hmm. right? I eventually go back around to find one, one convenience store that was open. And I walked in there. <laughs> Firstly, there's warmth, <laughs> which is the weirdest thing, because anything in Asia, it's the flip. So you walk into a convenience store, it's freezing cold. Here it's freezing cold, and then you walk in, it's hot because they got heating on. And I almost gave the dudes a hug that ran it, man. It's this Jamaican family, and they're just like, <laughs> we're always open and stuff. And honestly, dude, I was like, oh, I'm going to hug you. You know, because it was shocking to me. I don't think I've, like even Sally Oak, I've been there and things are open. Tesco's is open or something's open. But Birmingham, nothing, all dead. Absolutely unreal, man. Sounds like the best time to make a zombie, zombie film. horror film. Yeah. That's exactly well. I oh, actually, it really is. I actually, another shout out to Tompo. Like, I actually sent him pictures. Yeah. And I was like, can you believe this? Because I think it's possibly the first year it's been that dead on mm. Christmas. Because people still work, they get yeah. extra double time and stuff, but it was all shut. Mm. So just for me, that was. Well, yeah, 99% of the shops are. You'll get, you'll get your random little. Yeah. Convenience locally store. owned, it's like a quick save or something weird. Like you know, it was called. Mm. You've been there a thousand times, I'm sure, but it was kind of like the last chance saloon yeah. to get anything. Not even Tesco's near the mailbox was open. No, so, none, none of the big ones are open. No, um, select and save in Selly Oak always is. There you go. So um, it, it's just it was just like a radical experience, man. And mm-hmm. like actually on the back end of that, I remember coming back up, and when I was entering a cube there was a russian guy and he had his his girlfriend fiance whatever with him and they were evacuating people at the hotel in the mailbox so they actually had a lot of christmas day yeah yeah yeah. so it was like this was probably like one in the morning so officially boxing day now but they actually ran a fire drill so all of these really (laughs) posh guys i know yeah all these posh dudes are sort of lingering (laughs) And he was like, oh, are you in the hotel too? And I was like, no, nah, mate. <laughs> I just, I'm staying here. So it was kind of a very unusual Christmas, man. I think that's the most city Christmas I've ever had. <laughs> so you kind of relate to people out there in a big city on their own. If they're at uni or something like this, they'd probably experience very similar things. But it was it was unique, really unique. And, and a lot colder, man. It was a lot more colder, I felt, being in that part in that city because you get all the crosswinds mm. so and we'd actually walk back along the canal we had yeah yeah from yeah. the uh from the Kuru. i yeah. like that walk mm, it's a nice walk yeah well, Lo- it, lovely birmingham canals mm. it's an amazing see london to me is like for christmas london has that that oliver twist vibe you got chestnuts roasting in places people wearing top hats worcester you got the christmas market yeah. Birmingham got the German market, but yeah. that's all done by Christmas. So actually yeah. Christmas Day in Birmingham is really just, it's like a ghost town. I it's think they like, ran the German market up to Christmas Eve this year, yeah. didn't they? Yeah, I think or they last did. last year as it was. Last but um, year, yeah. yeah, it's always done by the yeah. time Christmas comes well, around. It's fully cleared. You see them clearing it out. Mm. And it's kind of like all the sense. So it's almost like if you are in Birmingham at Christmas in the centre there's this one place that we'll uh, we'll tell you about at, at some point when I find out what it's called that will be open and serve you. London, honestly, there'd be more stuff open on Christmas even. I'm pretty sure. Cause, Hong Kong's open. Yeah, Hong Kong, well, it's totally different. Pretty much different. business as usual. Yeah, mm. ho- well, Hong Kong Christmas is more like any other massive buy tons of stuff at retail day. Yeah, <laughs> any excuse have. for a sale. Yeah, but it, everything works the same until Chinese New Year and then it's... Yeah, then we have like... A week that's dead. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Hopefully this one, by the time recording, obviously when this comes out at Christmas, hopefully things in Hong Kong will have settled down. Mm. Yeah. You know, hopefully we can get to some peace and impasse. Mm-hmm. But I believe just from seeing the sense of it in Tokyo, I think Christmas here would be a massive deal. Mm-hmm. You're starting to get a feel for it. They're not really advertising it, which is going to ha- be make Pete happy. Because he, he hates, if there's one thing Pete hates, it's that they're advertising Christmas in September, which most yep. countries 
Those creatures yeah. of the world do. There has been some music. There's been music, but I'm not sure if that's intentional. Mm. I'm not sure if I even know it's Christmas <laughs> music. But I think Japan will treat Christmas like it treats Halloween and, and anything else a bit like Hong Kong. It's a big deal because it's a big deal for you to go out and do something, but I don't KFC. think they'd take it to heart. Well, <laughs> I think they might take it to heart a bit more just because they get the snow as well. So it's more yeah. atmospheric yeah. here. Yeah, well, without a shadow of a doubt. And I think like that's actually something that's really cool to wrap this up on for the fact that we're in Japan. Like I said, we've just walked through the precision, this can sound weirdness, of Halloween. Earlier today, we just walked through Ikebukura and there was huge Halloween things setting up. Mm-hmm. It's basically like if you're listening in Los Angeles, New York, or whatever, you have all your Halloween parades and it's quite mad. I think Tokyo is about to take you off the world leader map for how crazy <laughs> that can look because several massive wards are doing it here. Mm. I think Christmas, when you get the nod of it, would be truly special here. Mm. I think if anyone gets the opportunity to check it out and do it, it would be pretty immense. Here, Kyoto, Osaka, you know, all the big cities, but t- Tokyo especially just... You can see it. You can feel it. It's almost got that London flavor to it, you know? Like, there's a lot of streets that could literally be like London. So if you ever do get the chance, come here. And it's almost something that I will say. We always use the expression Christmas. But if you are of any other religious persuasion, you all have your holiday season in this time. I hate to say season's greetings because I think, well, the season's winter. Who likes winter? Unless you're a Yeti or a crazy person. <laughs> so, you know, it's cold. Everyone gets the flu and the plague like me right now, so I think it really well. Never said it was good greetings. Yeah, it's just <laughs> seasonal greetings. Yeah. You know, here's some salt and pepper on your chips, seasonal greetings. Smacked around the face by the wind as soon as you walk out the door. Greetings. Exactly. But like I'm going to say, if you are like a Muslim background, a Jewish background, any of the big religions, not going to say anything about Scientology, but even Scientology. <laughs> If you want to come to a great place just to see community and high spirits and amazing festivals, Tokyo is pretty much the place you should go to, and Hong Kong, because there's no awkwardness. You're just there to enjoy the holidays, you know? I'm pretty sure the UAE and stuff like this is pretty cool as well. Like, who wouldn't want to be in a desert Christmas? Amazing. Be different. It would be super different. I wonder (laughs) if they put tinsel on camels. I don't know. It's interesting to have Christmas in Australia. All right, and that's where we're going to wrap up on because it will be summer in Australia. Yeah. So we're talking about all this yeah. wintry stuff and all the Australians are like, oh man, you're kind of crazy. Santa's gone surfing and, you know. Yeah, Santa, well, that's an interesting thing. Santa doesn't bring his reindeer down. He no. brings his uh, 12-foot Sandia. Sandia. Yeah. Kangaroos. There you go. Beach deer. What? Which is his... What, Santa <laughs> hopping through the sky. His beast deer is his <laughs> nan, isn't it? Just... Brings his nan to the beach. Read there off the red-nosed kangaroo, mate. <laughs> Don't know what this reindeer is you're thinking of, mate. I'll tell, I'll In tell my you. awful Aussie accent yeah, yeah. There. I've got to be honest, man. Like, Australia, <laughs> literally, it gotta, it's got to be the biggest thing for an Australian. And this is literally the last point I'm making this week. But for an Australian at Christmas, can you imagine? You know how we have the whole right side of road argument in driving? <laughs> with Americans and whatnot. Can you imagine what it's like for Australia? Oh, mate, feel sorry for you and your blizzards and your rain and your snow, mate. I was out having a barbecue on a beach, mate. You know, I mean, we're, we're literally talking... i got sunburn the, at Christmas, mate. I know. It's literally <laughs> the only place in the world that can state it's summer. So... Uh, and New Zealand. Well, is it ever really summer in New Zealand? I haven't seen a sitcom. There should be one. It's like sunny in Philadelphia, <laughs> but is it ever really sunny in New Zealand? If you're listening to Australia and New Zealand, we love you. <laughs> Enjoy your summer holidays. We're not jealous at all. God. Goodbye from me. That's <laughs> it for the Christmas episode. I feel like we've done more about Japan and stuff. Sorry about that, kids. But, you know, we'll get you a proper Christmas episode this time next year when we are <laughs> on normal life. Who knows mm. what we'll be doing? We might be in Australia surfing and enjoying uh, Rudolph Getting Red sunburnt on the beach at Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? We just don't know. So uh, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye from the Unicorn Merry Slayer. Merry Christmas. 
and over to Wim for the wrap up. Merry Christmas. Subscribe to FIA Gets Tubed on YouTube for access to all Project FIA episodes and extras. As you know, you can find our podcast on all the major platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, and SoundCloud. Ask us questions and drop us your comments via email. Our address is projectfia.rebelrated at gmail.com. And of course, we are also on Twitter. Our handle is projectfia.rebelrated.